man. Wow, praise God. God is good, right? So good, so good. You know, as we were in worship, how many know the Holy Spirit speaks in the midst of worship? And uh, I just I just started jotting down a few thoughts that I felt like the Holy Spirit saying, and it really were just out of the words. But He was He was breathing on our worship this morning. Uh, we were singing. Getting ready here for you. Um, and, and I just felt like the Lord just highlighting to me, you know, do you realize we're pilgrims on the earth? It's kind of a weird word, pilgrims. Like, what do we wear, black hats? And <laughs> But a pilgrim is someone who's on a journey. And each of you really... Like, this life is short. Most of us do everything <clears throat> in this world. It's a worldly mindset, a cultural mindset that in, the, in Christ we need to break off and not align ourselves with. But, like, this life to the world is the most precious thing, right? Like, this is all I got. Live it to the fullest. Get it everything in now because, you know, when you're gone, you're gone and... You know, you'll be pushing up daisies. But the reality is we're sojourners. It's another strange word. Pilgrim, sojourners. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're passing through. What you do in this lifetime. <laughs> but, all right, here's the on, on, As you're passing through, I'm going to tell you, you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Your focus has to be, listen, you know, when you're going through hell, don't stop. <laughs> don't stop. Keep going. Because this too will pass. I mean, there are seasons when we go through challenges, trials. We think it's the worst. Don't stop. Keep going. That season's going to end. And, uh, but this life, you know, getting ready here on the earth for you. You're, we're here as disciples of Christ, but it's, it's a preparation for heaven. You live in the challenges here to develop a character and a th to, to, to bring into heaven. Heaven's filled with joy. Heaven, you know, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Patricia King was sharing a, a testimony, I think. She was, she was in Thailand ministering to the orphans, rescuing children out of sex trafficking. And she was seeing a lot of horrible things. And, uh, and I think it was weighing her down. And then the Lord caught her up in a vision in heaven. And everyone was full of joy. They were just so happy. And Patricia King said, I was a little bit offended. Like, don't you realize what's going on down here? Like, wh why is someone like, this is horrible. And here's the thing. God's not, God's got this. You know, he's, he's going to take care of the widows and orphans. And he's going to use you and I as his hands and feet here to do it. You know, he wants us to bring the kingdom wherever we go. But our mindset 
has to be fixed and locked into an eternal reality of heaven. This life is not all there is. If you live it like I got to get it in here, you're going to miss something beautiful. You're going to miss what God has for you in eternity and what he wants you to bring forth. And, uh, <clears throat> and we need to release the kingdom of God here on the earth. You know, Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And he wants us to be his hands and feet. Like, that's what Jesus did when he walked the earth. He would run into the, the leper or the blind, you know, and he would release the kingdom. He would release the kingdom. You know, how many are, you know, I find it interesting. I was just thinking about this. Uh, how many have been watching The Chosen? Just so, it's, it's so cool. I, I love it. It's, it's amazing. You know, and even listening to the director's testimony of, you know, he had a vision for what, you know, God was going to call him to do. It was going to be so great. And then everything collapsed. But in the collapse, God birthed what he really wanted. So sometimes our disappointments are we're reaching for something and, and what sometimes appears like ashes to us are actually the seeds of what God wants to do because it's, it's not, doesn't always look like your vision or my vision for what he wants to do. But out of the seeds of just laying it all down and just saying, God, whatever you want, and sometimes, sometimes it's in crushings, in the pressing, in the crushing, he's making new wine. I love the songs. But, you know, these songs we sing aren't just songs. You're singing the word. Like, you guys, you don't realize what you're saying. You're singing this out. It's a prayer. All I want is you. All I need is you. Okay. I heard that. That's what the Lord is saying. I'm going to bring you into that place where all you need is me. Oh, wait a minute. God, I had some other desires. Some other wants here. I thought you said all I want is you. All I need is you. It's okay. But in the laying down, in the crushing, if you let him bring the new wine, he brings it forth in beauty and righteousness. You know, one of the things in Psalm 27, David says, you know, one thing I desire of the Lord, that will I seek, that, you know, that will I seek after that I may behold the beauty of the Lord. God's into beauty. You know, we like beautiful things. When you see a beautiful person, you take notice. And, uh, and when you see amazing uh, sunsets, you take notice. When you see just amazing things like, you know, uh, works of art, you know, I... My wife and I had the privilege. We went to, to Rome. We saw, I don't know, the, the, the David, the David, the David statue. And then we saw the Michelangelo. And just, just incredible beauty. But God's really into beauty. You know, the enemy tries to take our desire for beauty and pervert it. But God's really into beauty. Like, heaven is beautiful. God is beautiful. Jesus, like we should be so fascinated. If you enter into the beauty realm of God, you'll be so fascinated. Nothing else will satisfy you. And that's, that's where we want to go, into the beauty realms of God. David said, one thing I have desired, that will I seek after, you know, <clears throat> that I may behold the beauty of 
the Lord. Wow. And as you behold him, you become like him. Amen. And he transforms you into his likeness. Yes. Come on, do you feel what the Holy Spirit is doing here this morning? Yes. Come on. Come on. Just, uh, I'm confident as seasons change, your faithfulness remains. Jordan, sing that. Can you sing that? Just give me a little, I'm confident I can't. Your faithfulness remains. Here's the thing. I love it. Come on. Come on. You know what you're saying? It's, listen, seasons change. Things, nothing stays the same. It's just. Sometimes we, you know, you're in a great season. God, let me just stay here. Feed me with cakes and raisins. That's what it says in Song of Solomon. <laughs> just feed me here like, you know. What is it, dates and raisins? Whatever it is in Song of Solomon. It's the journey of the Shulamite. And she wants to stay parked. Because this is just so good. Wow. And what does he do? He just, he kind of withdraws a little bit and woos her. Come, follow me. Come with me. I want to take you on a journey. You know, and you see the progression. But at first, she's just, this is cool. I'll just stay here. <laughs> and, but seasons change. And to be confident. See, this is the thing about being pilgrims, sojourners. You're passing through this life. Listen, I'm 61 years old. I've done most of my life, you know. I want to have my eyes and my gaze fixed in heaven. And I, I'm preaching to myself. I'm sharing with you what the Lord has been sharing with me. I have not arrived. Yes, Tammy. I have not arrived. <laughs> She sees all my, like, when you live with somebody, you see their stuff. It's just how it is. But that's okay. God loves us anyway. You know what? He's, he's not finished with me yet. He's perfecting or bringing to maturity everything that concerns me and concerns you. He who's begun the good work in you, what is he doing? He's performing it until the day of Jesus. We're going to continue to grow. And if we have a mindset that, okay, God, I want to fix my gaze on eternity. I want, I want to build up eternal treasures. You know, Jesus said, store up treasures where? In heaven. With the moth and the rust and count. Come on, you can, Dara, you preach it. <laughs> She's finishing my sentences. I love it. That's knowing the word. But it's, it's, it's like that's where our treasures are. You know, we want, we accumulate, and I'm just as, you know, listen, we all like to have a nice bank account. We all like to prepare that 401k, get ready for, you know, and, but, you know, there's a parable about the guy who kept storing. I got these big barns. You know what? I'm going to tear them down to my big, bigger barns, and I'm going to store more stuff, and then I'm going to say, you know, now that uh, I've got all of this, I'll sit back and, and really enjoy it, and he says, but today your life is, you know, will be taken. So we don't know what tomorrow brings. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a bank account and a 401k. I believe in it. I have one. <laughs> you know, but um, like fix your gaze. Fix your eyes. What's 
truly valuable? What's going to last in eternity? God is speaking. Oh, I love it. My soul has a shepherd in the valley, and I shall not want. I loved it. <laughs> My soul has a shepherd in the valley, and I shall not want. Oh, my goodness. Do you feel it? I mean, I feel this going right through me right now. Your soul has a shepherd. He's watching over you. You shall not want. Like there's nothing that you need that he doesn't have. There's nothing. Wait a second. I got to stop here. There's nothing that you need that he does not have. There's nothing that you need that he doesn't have. And it's his good pleasure to pour it out. But sometimes we ask for things that aren't going to be helpful. And like a good parent, he doesn't want it to destroy you. How many give their four-year-old? Here's some matches. Go play with them. <laughs> no. Come on. But when they're 18 years old and they're on a camping trip and, Dad, you got the matches to light the fire? Yeah, sure. Here you go. As you mature and you can handle certain things, you have greater responsibility. You can use the tools. But it comes with what? It's maturity. It's maturity. You know, Tammy and I heard a testimony, I'm forgetting his name, about this guy in England. He set up all of these orphanages. We were just, I think it was on YouTube or somewhere else. We were just looking for these Christian testimonies. George Mueller, exactly. Here's a guy, he just, he just laid it down. Like he walked in submission to the Holy Spirit, not worrying about his own desires, needs, what he wanted. And like vast riches were made available to him. Vast riches. A personal hero of mine, he's been here, is Rod Hall. I used to cringe reading their newsletters and testimonies. I used to cringe. I was like, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> I'm serious. I'm just giving you, I'm just being honest. And... Um, he, they would send, they were living by faith as missionaries and seven children all over the country, following Lou, praying, like going before him to calls and praying at places. And they would have, they'd have one story after another that just looked like, like a horror thing. Like, but then God would come through and God would come through. I was just like, and I remember when we, st when we first got involved in ministry, we, like Tam and I, Sal and Jill, we look at each other like, we can't do what they're doing. <laughs> like, they're nuts. Okay, today, Rod Hall is running a ministry school. He's got this farm in Hawaii. I don't know, tens of acres or hundreds of acres. I, I, so many acres. They're running a, they have a coffee farm, school going. Their children are doing well. They're, it's just like they're blessed because they lived a life of devotion sold out to God, making him their source. 
in a far greater way than I have ever done. And so it provokes me to jealousy in, in a good way, right? It's, you know, provoke one another to love and good works. You know, watch people and say, all right, I want to be like that. But that means surrender. George Mueller, look him up on YouTube, watch his videos. This is a guy who is just totally surrendered. And he said, I really haven't done anything. Like, you guys think uh, I'm... <laughs> All I did was just say yes, and I just followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. And it looks like foolishness to a lot of people, but God provided. God provided. Now, a lot of young believers go on some of those things, and they, they run off in presumption. I mean, I've seen too many young people, you know, I'm just going to live by faith. I'm gonna do, and they just like, there's a presumption on that God's going to, like, meet, meet uh you know, foolishness that they get involved in, and he doesn't. You have to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and keep following him, and he grows you in this, these areas. So, so good. Okay. That was all extra. <laughs> He's so good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for that you're in the room. We just say, Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Minister to the hearts. Set people free. Come and do what only you can do. Amen. Um, okay, turn with me to Hebrews 12, beginning of verse 1. As Jesus was approaching the end of his ministry... What was it that gave him the strength to go forward? Let me ask you a different question. Do you think Jesus was ever stressed out? No, really. Do you think he was ever stressed out? He was. Actually, turn with me first to Matthew. Matthew 26, verse 36 to 39. I'm reading in the New King James Version. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Oh, my. Does that sound like he was stressed out? That he was weighed down? Yeah, Jesus, but he was, see, our Savior was tempted in all points, just like you and I. There's nothing that you feel or experience that he hasn't felt or experienced. The only difference was he didn't give in to the temptation of the enemy to 
to sin or to be led into something, you know. <clears throat> what did he do? Exceedingly sorrowful even to, the, to death. It's like suicidal. Like, what am I about to go through? Maybe I should just end, kill myself and not have to go through the torture that lies in front of me. But he said, stay here and watch with me. And he went a little farther, further, <clears throat> and he fell on his face and he prayed, say, oh, Father, oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Always walking in obedience to his Father. He was a man. You have to understand, like, sometimes we superimpose Jesus as Superman. He was not Superman. He was a man like you and I. He surrendered his God powers when he came to the earth. <clears throat> and he operated on the earth as a man. And because he operated as a man, he could be the second Adam. And he could be the sacrificial lamb. He could go to the cross and give his life as a man and take all of the punishment for you and I. But he demonstrated as a man what's possible. What's possible. Every man and woman has an invitation to enter into a relationship with the Father. And that's what we have. We, he brought us back into relationship. He was the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. Through him, we can come back in relationship with the Father. And he walked in a demonstration of this relationship with the Father. And that's where he got his strength. To turn, let's go back now. Hebrews 12, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. It was shameful. And he was despised this, and he sat down at the right hand of the, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. What was that joy? The joy was he knew what was on the other side. He knew if he finished this course, if he went to the cross, if he died, if he allowed them to scourge him and do all those things and then be crucified, a horrible death, that on the other side he would rise again. He told his disciples you know, that he would rise again. They never quite understood it um, <clears throat> because it was a mystery hidden by God because if it was not hidden by God, the devil would have said, oh, pff, let's not go there. <laughs> but, he, but even the devil didn't know what was going on. He thought, I wipe out Jesus, I get rid of this guy. And, uh, but they didn't understand it. But it was the joy that was set before him. Turn with me. So this joy... Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah, when they came back and they were rebuilding the walls and then restoring the temple, 
they started reading the law and they said, oh, my goodness, we missed it. This is horrible. They started reading the book of the law and they realized that they were so far from what they were called to that they were weeping. They were ready to weep and mourn. And he said, Nehemiah said, none of that. This is not a day for weeping and mourning. Let me just go there, 8, 5 through 12. Nehemiah 8, 5 through 12. Ezra opened a book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. They stood up for the reading of the word. That's why some traditional churches, when they read the words, everybody stand and they read the word. This is where it comes from. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and then all the people answered, amen, amen while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Verse 7, I'm going to kind of skip through it, but basically there's a bunch of guys there, and they helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave, and all the gentlemen we just referenced, they gave them a sense, and they helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Verse 10, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted the people. Be still, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and rejoice a little bit. Rejoice greatly. What does rejoicing greatly look like? Greatly. Like when you were rejoicing greatly, what were you doing? Were you alone in your room? <laughs> Typically, I don't know, when I've had some of my best times, it's in relationship with other people. I'm at a place and we're laughing and just in having a good time with one another and, and we're rejoicing greatly. So it's, a, it's, a, it's like a party. <laughs> you know, at a party, it's, it's to rejoice. Rejoice greatly. Because they understood the words that were declared to them. So the joy of the Lord is our strength. And God wants us strong. You're, you will be strong when you're filled with joy. Where does joy come from? Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, meekness, against which there's no law. Fruits come from roots. <laughs> they do. Fruits come from the ground Fruits come from a plant, a seed sown. You have the incorruptible word of God planted in you. Amen. 
And as that seed matures and brings forth life, the life of God in you, the very Zoe life of God in you, you start to bear fruit. And what the fruit should look like is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, gentleness, all of that. Jesus described, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Every part in me that doesn't bear fruit, what does he do? He actually cuts off the parts of your life that, that don't bear fruit. And that's what a good gardener does. Why? So that the life will go to the parts that are bearing fruit. You cut the dead branches. Some of us have dead branches in our lives. We need them cut out. Why? Because how many want joy? How many of you want to be filled with joy? Can I see a show of hands? How many don't want joy? Give me, I don't want any of that. I'll pass. Give me the love, the peace, but not the joy. Joy is God's secret weapon. Joy is given to people who are, here's the thing, sojourners, pilgrims. You know why? Because if you're holding on too tight to this life and you don't have your eyes fixed in eternity, your joy can be stolen. Your joy can be stolen. Turn with me to... Uh, Okay, Matthew 13. Beginning at verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat on the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds came and it devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they didn't have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root so important to have roots. They had no root. They withered. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Others fell on the ground and yielded a crop, some 100, some 60, some 30. What is a crop? It's a fruit. Thank you. <laughs> a crop is a fruit. It's the, the produce that comes out of the, the ground that you want to you reap, right? So some 60, some, <clears throat> some 100, some 60, some 30. Who who, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Wow. And the disciples came to him and they said, why do you speak to them in parables? Like nobody's really getting it. <laughs> right? They're all, there's the crowds, they gathered around. 
Nobody's getting this. Why do you speak to them? Just speak plainly. So Jesus goes on and says, it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Why does God veil some things to us? He, you know, it's, it's the glory of God, the scripture says, to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to what? To search it out. He wants us, see, he, he doesn't, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He doesn't reward casual seekers. Well, that's a challenge. That challenges me because sometimes I can be a little casual about it. No, I'm just going through life. But he wants us to be diligently seeking him out. Like focused, diligent seekers. He hides a thing. It's his glory and he hides a thing, but he wants you to seek it out. Whoever has, for whoever has, to him more will be given. And he will have an abundance. Well, that doesn't sound fair. Why does he who have get more and have it in abundance and does it goes against our egalitarian, I don't know, ethos, which doesn't seem to be kingdom ethos. For whoever has, to him more will be given and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That doesn't sound fair. Listen, <clears throat> let's learn to be students of the kingdom and understand these things and not, you know, judges, all right? Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. Turn means repent. Repent means turn around. You're going the wrong way. Go this way. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, for your ears that they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. So I want to pause because I, I feel like the Lord, I was just this morning, this, this messages within messages within messages, it's like, oh my goodness. <clears throat> I speak to them in parables because seeing they they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. I often have just read by this and said, uh, I guess, you know, the Jews, the Jewish people at the time, there was the hardening of their hearts. The gospel, they didn't understand the gospel was going to go out to the Gentiles. And I just kind of like pushed it off and said, well, that was them. 
How many are sort of read that as them? Nobody's admitting it. All right. <laughs> Just me. <laughs> I think God's challenge is, is that us? I mean, we hear some of the, we go to conferences, we hear the greatest messages, we have people come in, they share deep truth. It's awesome. But how are we applying the truth that we know to our lives? Are we walking in the fullness of what we know? Or are we just like filling our ears? Oh, that was such a great message. Uh, let me repeat something. I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> you know, it, you hear anointed words come forth, prophetic utterance, like, whoa, God, I feel this presence. I get the goosebumps. I love it. Love all of it. Don't want to devalue it. But are we applying the truth that we know to our lives? Or is this us? Seeing they do not see. Hearing they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Like we have to, we got to stop being doers of the word. James talked about this specifically. You know, are you, don't be just a hearer. You know, there's no contradiction between Paul's teaching on grace and James' teaching on don't be just a hearer, be a doer. Some people, like, even Martin Luther, like he struggled with this, like James and grace, for the just shall live by faith. But then James is saying you got to do this stuff. It's only by his grace we can do it, but, you know, we have to, like, apply the truth that we have and walk in it. This is good stuff, everybody. <laughs> But really, like, we have to start, like, living it. Like, just, like, God, help me. By your grace. We're not going to do it in our own strength. And I'm not trying to get everybody to be trying to do good works out of your human flesh. But you got to start plugging into the vine and living in submission to the Holy Spirit. Meaning, if he's moving to the left, I'm moving to the left. <laughs> if he's moving to the right, I'm moving to the right. And it's a nice song and we sing it. But we, do we do it? Do we do it when we're on the streets and we're prompted? See the homeless man, should you talk to him? See the CEO, the corporate CEO over there, should you approach him? Oh, he's too big and important and he doesn't want to talk. To, like, there's different intimidations. You know, some people feel very comfortable, like, the down and out. But what about the up and out? Like, are we willing to be bold and put ourselves out on the line for the up and out as much as the down and out? Do we feel better than the down and out so I can talk to them because I got it together? Without Christ, I'm sorry, that was, I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> Got to watch the time. All right. Worship team, come up. I'm, I'm going to keep going, but I'm trying to. Okay. So then verse 18, all of this, um, you know, Jesus is telling them, but then he says, okay, I'll explain this parable to you. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away, what, <coughs> what was sown in his heart. This is he who received this seed by the wayside. But he who received this seed in stony place, places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Oh, this is great. Yet he has no root in himself, 
and he endures only for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises because of your identification with the word, immediately they're out. He stumbles. <clears throat> there is a reproach to following Christ. Yes, you're one of those Jesus people. People who think they have it together and follow, they, 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 they will look down on you. And if, if you can't take that, that's the, you know, those are the people who stumble. So just when persecution or tribulation arrives, they stumble. He who receives the seed among thorns is he who hears the word and, ca and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. This is the most dangerous place for, I, I would say, most people in this room. I think if you're in this church, you're like pressing into the Lord. But this is the, this is the challenge. I mean, you've probably endured the, the shame and all of the reproach and you're, you're pressing on. You're not quitting. But there are still cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. Luke 8 talks about uh, the, you know, desire for pleasures. There's, there's other things that also are here that choke the word. And these are the, these are the joy killers because it chokes the word. Why? So what happens when it, when the seed of the word is choked, because this is the sower and the seed. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, okay? Joy comes from your connection to the Father. It comes from your connection to Jesus. We're branches. He's the vine. We're the branches. We're drawing our life from him. But these things come in to try to choke it off. cares when we're holding on too tight. You know, when you get in the presence of the Lord, a lot of these things fall away. You know, I mean, Tammy and I left here Friday night, uh, and, you know, there's, there's different things happening in, in, our, in our personal lives, and, and, you know, Tammy just said, everything is so different. <laughs> I walk out of Friday night, it's like my whole perspective has shifted. You know, because there's life stuff that happens to us and we, you know, because of circumstances or whatever, like you, you stop, if you don't, if you're not looking up, right? The scripture says, look up from where your redemption comes. Because when you're looking down here, oh, this is a mess. <laughs> but when we look up, you start to see Jesus. You know, I really do try to keep it short, but I, I have a hard time. <laughs> I have to read some other scriptures, all right? Luke 10, verse 38. You guys can play softly behind me if that's all right. I like the music. God is into music. It's like David playing his harp. It's going to set people free. When they were playing earlier, there was deliverance in, in, the, in, in the music. 
I love the, you know, the African-American church. They often they'll play and they'll, they'll sing, preach. Like I love uh, <coughs> Bishop Garlington. Like he starts singing, preaching. He just knocks me out. I can't do that. Luke 10, beginning of verse 38. Now it happened as they went, he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into the house. And she had a sister called Mary and also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Martha was trying to sh shame Mary. Right? Saying this in front of Jesus. And look, look what she's doing. She's being lazy. And Jesus gave an answer that just dumbfounded, I think, everyone. Therefore, you know, he, she said, therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary's chosen that good part. And it will not be taken from her. How many are worried and troubled about many things? Sometimes I'm guilty. No, I'm, I mean it. Sometimes I worry about stuff. And when I do, it chokes off the word. Jesus is not worried. He was tempted to worry. He was exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. And when he was feeling that, what did he do? He went to connect with his father. Because he knew where the source of life was. He knew where joy comes from. He knew his father would strengthen him with joy so that he could endure what was ahead. Father didn't deliver him out of every challenge, but was with him in the challenge. We don't want to go through the challenges. Listen, life has ups and downs. You're going to go through some challenges. I'm not going to lie to you. But God will be with you. He can give you joy in the journey. And if you're a sojourner and your eyes are fixed on heaven, you you know that this is for a season. What did we sing? Through, through every season, I know he's faithful. This too will pass. I thought in 2011 when I went through my trial, I was like, God, where are you? And why is this lasting so long? Like, why is it over a year? <laughs> why is it going on two years? <laughs> it was a season. It passes. And, and God is faithful, but he works in those things. David said in Psalm 27, one thing I have desired of the Lord. Jesus said to Martha, one thing is needed. 
David said, one thing I have desired, that will I seek after, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord. Let me read it. Thank you. That I may dwell in, his, in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Where do you dwell? Where do you park yourself before the Lord? To behold him and to inquire. That's the one thing. What was Mary doing sitting at his feet? beholding the Lord. There was a conversation going on. She was inquiring of him. Martha was, didn't take advantage of that opportunity and was running around, I got to take care of all this stuff. Can we all stand? I'm going to read a couple of scriptures over you. I actually want you to close your eyes. Before I do that, I'm going to ask Megan to come up and share a testimony of something that happened to her Friday night in the presence of the Lord. So I know this past year has been rough for a number of people. Um, you know, a lot of different things happened during the pandemic. You know, it was tough for me as well. Um, you know, went through a number of different uh, traumatic things. And, um, you know, I tend to be a bit of a, a rule follower, and this was no exception. So, you know, it was really following the social, you know, isolation things. Um, and it really got me down. Um, and after a while, I even started withdrawing from even being on um, – the different Zoom calls and engaging with people at all and just found my myself in such a place of, of discouragement um, where I really just had to fight, you know, to, just to be really honest and real with you, just to fight to get through each day. Um, and, you know, I was battling, you know, pain condition, you know, with the migraines, you know, migraines every day um, and just in such a place of, like, hopelessness. Um, and even just this, this past, you know, Tuesday, um, just right before we came to, to, to Friday, I was like, I, I haven't felt joy in so long. I was like, I just, I need my joy back. Um, I was like, I don't know how to keep going, you know, with, without joy. Um, and it, it's just, it's just interesting how the enemy like sometimes attacks you like right before the breakthrough. And um, it was just amazing coming Friday night and I'm just here worshiping and just, you know, Jules starts starts praying and um, I just felt such joy cover my body and I remember this singer I, I think it was him that was saying something about remembering the promises over your life and they just started flooding my mind and my body just running so quickly through it where I could just see all of the promises that had ever been spoken over my life just coming through my mind and I just started to remember who I was so yeah Yeah, and I just felt like, um, yeah, I just felt like the Lord was saying, like, you still have to fight through your daily bread, 
So it's still on me to, to, to continue to fight for the daily bread, but there was just something about coming together in the community where I just needed like that community, you know, gathering community anointing like for the breakthrough. Um, so, yeah. So what happened, Meg, what happened? Yeah, so I just, I, the joy came back. Like, that, that was the big thing. So when, when um, she was praying for me, like I, like, I hadn't felt joy in, like, almost a year. And I felt so much joy. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Megan and Juliana were in the corner just falling over laughing. Laughter is an expression of, like, the purest joy. And, you know, God sits in the heavens, and what does he do? He laughs. It's okay to laugh. God laughs. God invented humor. I mean, come on, look at us. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Bill, I just want to just say one thing. I, I just feel so many of us have been through trauma. You know, this city has gone through trauma. And God is not the author of shame. You know, he, he, he wants to deliver us from a spirit of shame. And so sometimes that, whoa, <laughs> whoa, that, that joy, which seems foolishness to men, is wisdom to God. And, and, and whoa, and, and, and he... You know, it, it's like, okay, you go, to the, you go to a dentist. What do they give you? Laughing gas in order to do the root canal, okay? <laughs> so God has a way wow, of taking out a root system that's in us that's preventing us from getting the fullness of the word. And sometimes the trauma keeps us in that root system that's not preventing the full word manifesting in our lives. So he'll use laughter. And let me tell you, it's the best medicine in the whole Amen. world. And it's free. And, and, and it's, it's free, guys. It's free. And, and God, is. this is a place of freedom and deliverance. And it doesn't have to be screaming. It doesn't have, we're not in for the fight. Jesus did the fight. He did the fight. And he said it was for the joy set before him that he endured. So we're reaping those benefits now. So if any of you are struggling right now with trauma, just lift your hands right now. Just lift your hands. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Okay. And Bill's going to pray. Bill, Bill's going to pray over us right now, okay? Just thank you, Lord. God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in the room. Joy is not about external circumstances. Joy is something that comes from inside out. It comes from Christ inside you the hope of glory psalm 16 11, i want you to just close your eyes i want everyone to receive this is the word of the lord over you today psalm 16 11, you will show me everybody say this you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy 
At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Come on. God's into pleasure. Wait, no. This is our God. He's into pleasure. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. In his presence. So important to get into his presence. In his presence is fullness. Fullness of joy. When you see the expression of joy in true laughter, true holy righteous, just in God, just enjoying him that you're in the presence of the Lord. John 15, 11. This is for you now. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, Christ's joy, may be, may remain in you and that your joy may be full. He spoke this. He wants your joy to be full. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Come on. We're going to go through this thing with joy. We're going to go through this thing with joy. We're going to go through the rest of our lives with joy. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow after me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever ever this is the fruit of abiding in divine love joy peace long-suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control listen sometimes it might look undignified sometimes you get in the presence of the Lord, and it, it may look a little sloppy. That's how it looked to Michael, David's wife. Why did David take off his kingly robes? He was leading the procession. He had the crown. He had the robes. He was... But David started to sing and dance, and those robes were a little restricting. And the crown was a little heavy. And so he took it all off. And he was dancing around with whatever he, his undergarments were. Probably different than ours today, but I, I don't know what it looked like. But I'm not going there. But the point is, <laughs> the robes were very dignified. Royal kingly robes. And the crown. And probably the scepter. And he threw it all off because I, I can't dance with this stuff. But you don't look like a king, David. You don't look dignified. You look like one of the commoners. David said, you know what? I'm going to be even more undignified than this. Because I'm entering into the joy of my father. I am celebrating who God made me to be. And it doesn't matter if I... To you, I'm undignified, but I will be held in honor by those others that you speak of. Let's dance. Let's sing.
Let's celebrate our King.